Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast look at the Halloween franchise one film at a time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm better. Thank you, Darren. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm doing Following well. last week's advice and putting on your poker face. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no. No, I'm uh, like un, un, unequivocally um, kind of, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. How, 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 how are you, Darren? I'm 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 good. I I feel revengeful. <laughs> Revengeance is coursing through me. Oh, I feel like I'm I'm very excited to be here. Revenge. So yes, and joining us for this discussion, as she has for the previous four episodes, as she will presumably uh, contract pending for the next seven. <laughs> the wonderful Joey Kyo. How are you, Joey? Unless Michael Myers gets me. Uh oh. No. <laughs> It could happen. <laughs> uh, and rejoining us again from last week's episode, the fantastic Peter Keenan. How are you, Peter? Did you know that a soul can't be cut? What? <laughs> if you use your sword for justice, not, none of you guys play Revengeance? What? <laughs> no? Oh, Jesus. Your your wit is wasted on us. Your rapier sharp, but not soul cutting. Yeah. The Andrew's uh, takeaway oh, has arrived. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. How quick was that? It was like two, that was that was like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they are literally 10 feet away from... Okay, well, they're 100 feet away from the house, to be fair. Oh, my God. Um, you don't live in Bray, I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, but... Uh, so, no, so we are talking today about Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, directed by Dominic Othon-Gerard, a French-Swiss film director, Hello? released one year after Michael Myers returned in Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. It may surprise people to discover that this movie was rushed, rushed <laughs> into production, rushed through production, rushed into post-production, and rushed into cinemas all to try and capitalize on the Halloween trend as much as possible. We'll talk about the production of the film in a moment. But before we jump in, like, Joey, had you seen Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers? Did you see it in order? Do you remember the first time you saw it? I'm guessing I probably saw it in Florida, like the other one, which I had just remembered midway through that episode. So I probably saw it on TV in the middle of the day in America. But it kind of blends in with Halloween 4 for me. And also to a certain extent, Halloween 6 as well, because of the cult stuff. So I couldn't remember how much of that stuff was even in there. But look, it's not the most memorable film. Like I couldn't tell you, oh, there's one defining image. Whereas at least with Halloween 4, you have the ending where you just remember her in the little clown outfit covered in blood. (laughs) But but, um, yeah, so I definitely didn't see it in order. No, no way. I saw it much, much later because I kind of didn't really have any interest. Peter, you mentioned like last week that as you were watching Halloween 4 and Halloween 5, you realized that you had only one other Halloween movie you had yet to see. Was it Halloween Resurrection? I think it was. Was that the gap in your knowledge? Uh, No, Curse of Michael Myers. The next yeah, Curse Halloween of Michael 6. Myers. Okay. So had you seen The Revenge of Michael Myers before we said, hey, Peter, want to come on and talk about The Revenge of Michael Myers? No, but, you know, me and Joey, we live very close <laughs> together. Um you know, being married and living in a very, very, very close quarters at the moment. Um, so, like, if she watches something, chances are I'll watch something, which sometimes 
isn't very nice. Yeah, I have to say, there's a couple of movies that he, she's see, watched. See, I the problem have been a bit rough. The problem is I'm so desensitized now because I've watched so much horrible stuff. So I'll be watching something and I'll be like, oh, it's not that bad. It's only like a 10 minute torture sequence or like a 10 minute rape or whatever. And Peter's like, oh my god, this is horrific. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. So yeah, he's very unlucky. Yeah. This wasn't yeah, that, that though. Yeah, that does happen to me sometimes. Yeah, I was about to say. When we, in our old place, I used to just get up. I'd just like go into another room and do something there. I'd, well, you you left during the sad the, during the sadness, uh, which did have... The sadness? I don't think I watched another movie with you for about six or seven months. Yeah, because it... After the sadness. It, I mean, that one has an extreme... Someone, someone... Don't say what it is. That that movie has an extreme horror rating at the oh, beginning. That's not P, It's not PG. It's, it's not PG. Look, it's pretty rough, but I mean... It's not 16. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so, like, I've, I watched, I've watched everything that Joey's watched for in preparation for the... <laughs> including oh. all the time she watched the David Gordon Green trilogy again and again and again. <laughs> just on loop constantly, on cycle, basically. I just love them so much. <laughs> um, all right, but we are talking about Halloween 5. Uh, which, you know, again, basically Halloween 4 was released in 1988. It was, as we discussed, a huge hit. It was a huge hit in cinemas. It was a huge hit on VHS. And basically Mustafa Akkad decided he wasn't going to let the the franchise run fallow again. He was going to milk it for all that it was worth. So first of all, he asked the creative team behind the original Halloween 4, do you want to come back and make Halloween 5? You guys seem to work reasonably well. You made a competent movie you know, critics didn't necessarily love it, but they didn't hate it, and it seems like audiences really engaged with it. And they were all like, nah, we don't, we don't, we think we're about done here. I'd rather go make Steven Seagal movies, if you don't mind. Free Willy 2 <laughs> is, is calling and has my name on it. Anacondas is, is gonna be just coming a couple of years down the line. I feel like all those movies took, like, maybe 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... They begin meeting with directors. And actually, incidentally, the way that Dominic uh, Othen-Gerard comes to be associated with this project... Oh, yes. Him. <laughs> ...is through Deborah Hill. He meets Deborah Hill at the 1989 Sundance Film Festival. Oh. Which is probably the classiest sentence I'm going to say out loud over the course of this episode. But she basically says, hey, look, you seem like you're a guy who's interested in horror... Would you like to direct the new Halloween? I hear they're casting around. There's a guy you should meet. So she rings up Mustafa Akkad. She sets up a meeting. Mustafa Akkad now, on, at this moment in time, is working through prospective scripts. Shem Bitterman, again, great, name. great writer's name. <laughs> He's the writer who did a week during a draft of Halloween 1. Uh, sorry, Halloween 4. He's the guy who wrote, uh, who spent three days writing a draft of Halloween 5. So half the production time, half the scripting time. Uh -huh. um, his draft was titled A Killer Inside, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we get into the spoiler zone. That did not meet the specifications of the production team, so it was thrown out. Robert Harders had a pitch in which Mike Myers, Michael Myers, apologies, would get <laughs> struck by lightning and would be reborn renewed like Frankenstein, an innocent wandering the countryside, hated for crimes that he had committed. Uh, but basically, they invite... Dominic, Arthur and Gerard into a meeting and they say, look, you've read the script. And he's like, yeah. And he says, you want to make Halloween 5? And Akkad says yes. And he says, okay, you want to make Halloween 6? And Akkad says yes. Can I give you advice on the one thing that you should do? 
if you want to make Halloween 6. And Akkad says, yes, by all means. At which point, uh, Othin Gerard picks up the script, throws it in the bin publicly in front of Akkad, which is a bit of a baller move given how Halloween 5 eventually turns out, but you gotta admire it. Akkad apparently hires him on the spot. He's like, this is the energy that we need. This guy who's going to come in and shake things up. Othin Gerard is a guy, he says, like, in the week before he did the pitch, in the week before he came up with the idea for Halloween 5, he watched all of the previous Halloween movies, he watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, he watched all the Friday the 13th movies, basically mainlined American slasher horror in the 1980s and said, I think I know how to do this. I think I've figured out the basics of this. It will probably surprise nobody who has watched the movie to discover that, depending on who you ask, either... Halloween 5 entered production without a finished script (laughs) or Halloween 5 entered production with a technically finished script, but with a cast and crew that were continuously rewriting it and improvising on the fly. Uh, It was not a movie that was rigorously prepared before it went in front of cameras. In fact, it was not a movie that was rigorously prepared after it came out and went into post-production, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we get into the spoiler zone. Really? you seem surprised, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I am. I am. I, 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 I don't know, but I, I felt like this movie had the sense of more kind of craft to it. Than, Interesting. Than, than, mm. than the fourth movie. Ooh, this is going to be contentious. And in- I like this discussion. <laughs> All right, then. So. <laughs> Pervert. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm filthy. Um, <laughs> I'm getting excited here. <laughs> But okay, then let, let, let's... Comes over me. <laughs> um, this is a movie that I feel like we cannot discuss without spoilers. Given the ending of the previous movie, which ended, you know, again, <laughs> this is not the spoiler zone for Halloween 4, but let's just say it ended dramatically for characters like Michael Myers and characters like Jamie Crothers. Or sorry, Jamie Lloyd, apologies. And so the movie obviously has to pick up with that. It has to figure out what it's going to do with those characters. We can't really lay any groundwork without getting into spoilers. So very quickly then, we're going to jump around this and ask, so Joey, do you think Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? No. (laughs) No, it does not. (laughs) Okay. It's not terrible. It's not amazing. But no. No. Can we get a temperature check as we go around the room? Because I think Andrew, again, got my little freak flag flying there. Andrew was like, <laughs> oh. I think this movie may be better made than Halloween 4. Let's do a temperature check. Joey, how do you feel about this in relation to Halloween 4? A movie that we were maybe not necessarily kind to last week. I think I said this when we talked about it last week. I feel like Halloween 5 is a little bit unfocused. There's a moment where it seems like it's going to end and then it I checked the clock and there was like a good 30 (laughs) minutes left. And I thought, okay, fair enough. Where are we going with this? Um, Like, I don't, I don't know. Again, the two of them kind of blend together in a weird way. I, I don't think it's a badly made movie necessarily. I think there is some interesting stuff going on there. But yeah, I would, I would rate them kind of about the same. They're both kind of middling, you know. All right. And Peter... I know you have lots of complex thoughts on Halloween 5, and we're looking get, to get into those <laughs> in the spoilers. But do you think Halloween 5 belongs on the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a better movie than the last one. Oh. Ooh. Which is... And then, and then it kind of really... 
quickly stops being Good. a better movie. <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas floating around in this one that I like. I like movies that have that kind of potential. But then I'm also one of those picky assholes who's like, well, you ruined the potential, so you know. Yeah. And I guess we'll get into that because this ends kind of strange. It does. That's one way of putting how it ends. <laughs> yes. But 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 no, but no. No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't All put right. it on that list. And Andrew, what about yourself? No, like uh, in in terms of getting um, gauging my response to this, yes, I liked it um, a lot more than four, and um, it definitely shouldn't be on a list of the top two hundred fifty movies um, of all time. I I suppose it, I. What are we with the Borg? If they find a civilization that yeah. they that that is beneath them, they they will still take their like. Uh, no, they'll just ignore them. That's the thing. They'll with the ignore Kazon. them. That was the really passive aggressive thing the Voyagers' writers' room did with the Kazon. The Kazon from the first two seasons. There's a throwaway line where Seven's like, "Yeah, the the Kazon weren't even worth assimilating." Right. So maybe if we put this on our two fifty, they. They, they might leave us alone. <laughs> this is what we're presenting to aliens. So when we send it into space on the Voyager probe, the aliens pick it up and are yeah. like, now nah, we'll leave but this place alone. Maybe that's unfair to this movie because I don't think it's as bad as four. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. I, I do not believe that this belongs on the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made, to be clear. Controversial. I, <laughs> I, I know. I, that's why people come to me. It's the hot takes. <laughs> uh, I, I do think this is worse than Halloween 4. I think this is less competently made. I think this is, like, less functional as a movie. Like, you can watch 4 beginning to end, and it, you know, it does have a cliffhanger ending, yes. It does set up a sequel, yes. But it... Makes sense. It makes sense, and it does things that I expect a slasher movie to do, more or less. It doesn't do them as well as the best slasher movies, but it the- does them. Whereas this... This is just a goopy mess of nonsense, and I don't... That, I think part... I'll get into it, but I think that's part of what I enjoyed okay. uh, uh, um, about this. I, and, and yeah, I, th- I think Jamie is much better. I, 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 I think Danielle Harris does uh, great. Yeah, she is great. In this. I, th- I, I think she's terrific. And, and, my, and my, my, There's a bit in this... Where she cries so hard that like she drools. Yeah, I noticed that too. You noticed that? Yeah, I noticed that too. It was like, whoa, she's she went for it. Oh, there are moments where like she shares scenes with Donald Pleasance, and like Pleasance is is not an actor who gives space in a scene to other actors. He's never like, am am I am I being a bit too much? Allow me to rein that in and just let you work. Um, (laughs) But it it does feel like she is matching the energy that Pleasance is giving her, which is kind of impressive for a child actor yeah yeah it is. like there are adult actors in this movie who are unable to do that and she's like no i, I get what you're putting down donald and here we go we're gonna raise I do, I do think she's very good to be fair yeah she is um but yeah no i think this is this just doesn't work for me at all like it just there are interesting fragments of ideas here but it just often feels like it's a mad libs game where it's like a, and then happened and then this happened and then that <laughs> happened and then we killed this character who is maybe the protagonist of the movie but it's okay because we got this other oh wait no we killed oh wait but then we can go back this character showed up and i'm like 
pick a lane. Pick, <laughs> tell me what the movie is and just stick with it. Whereas the movie's like, I am 10 different movies happening simultaneously <laughs> and you yeah. will learn to love it. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I will accept it. I, I don't know. I'll love it. I, yeah, we'll get to it, I guess, in the spoiler zone. But I, I feel like it, it makes sense for all that it doesn't make sense. Oh, I like this. So, okay, so last week I was like, here's my big theory of Halloween 4. It's Reaganism. <laughs> I want to get to what Andrew's big theory of Halloween 5 is. Okay, so, Joey, would this be on your own personal 250 favorite movies? No. And might I just say that all six Scream movies are on there. All six. <laughs> so that's how, that's how bad it is. Oh? <laughs> Worse than Scream 3. Which I will defend. <laughs> I... I mean, I, I don't love Scream 3, but I will agree that Scream 3 is far superior to this. Scream well, 3 is a movie. Scream 3 works. Well, Scream 3 has good laughs. It has good scares. It feels like a Scream movie. Like, this is, that's one of the big problems with this and one of the big problems with 4. Michael Myers isn't scary. And that, for me, is a big, big that, issue. If Michael Myers isn't scary. Yeah, I'll... I'll You'll concede that. <laughs> I'll get it. I feel... I. F- I feel, I feel, no, no. Oh, I, you're not. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can see that he's not scary, but I, I, I don't see that as a, as a problem with the. I, Andrew's it, like, finally, I can relate to him. Finally, they're fleshing him. <laughs> I, I, yeah, like, I, I, it's very difficult to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we'll in, need to get into the spoilers. <laughs> All right, then. Cool. So, Peter, what about yourself? Would this be on your 250 favorite movies? I mean, he does have a cooler mask in this one. <laughs> he does. That's fair. It's better than... But no. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> Didn't it you? Wouldn't. I don't th- I'm not going to put all six Scream movies on my personal list, though. I don't, I don't know about that. But hey, didn't you say his mask... You, you do have separate lists. Yeah, it's that's my list. Leave my list alone. Didn't you say his mask made him look like Nicolas Cage? He does have another mask in this one. You said he made him look like Nick Cage. <laughs> Yeah, the mask in this one, it's it doesn't look like the very plastic. It's I I mean I mean I know it's hard it's stupid to complain that the old mask from the last movie <laughs> looked kind of bleached when it's a bleached fucking mask. But you know what I mean? Like it was paper white last time. Yes. It yeah. didn't have like the shadows that the original mask had that like made it so yeah. effective. Didn't have like Pamela Anderson hair. <laughs> yes, which I yeah. quite like again, very eighties hair. Michael has proper eighties hair here. Yeah. Oh yes, and the bleach blonde. It could have been an homage to Ben Tramer. <laughs> um but yeah. <laughs> oh man, when Ben Tramer dies, they fuck him up. And they don't care as well. They're just like, <laughs> oh well, uh, was it him? We don't know. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but um all right then and then Andrew, would this be on your own personal 250 favorite movies? So, no. I think so far you just put two, maybe, uh, movies so far from this uh, franchise on. So, Halloween. And Halloween Halloween 3. Wow. Season of the the Witch. Witch. Um, Because that's what I said um, when we were talking about 3. That that, 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 like liked it and I recognized that it isn't an iconic movie but that it could be kind of like, like I appreciate, I like it. I don't know. But this one, um, I think it's better than four. And I'll, 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 I'll say why. And I think it's, it's kind of like better in, in ways that are weird and kind of, they, they don't. So what you're saying I, is you're getting big fifth movie energy here. Big seed of Chucky. This is seed of Michael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
<laughs> have I overplayed your hand? I don't know. Okay. I, yeah, well, um, yeah, but uh, I, it wouldn't be on my own 250. What about you, Derek? No, no, no way in hell. Oh. Um, this is near the bottom for me. This is below four. Below four. Below four. I think it is. It is maybe above Resurrection, which is obviously canonically your favorite Halloween movie we talked about <laughs> yeah. already on the podcast. Um, and it's probably ahead of the theatrical cut of six, but below the producer's cut of six. So this is very near the bottom of my Halloween rankings. Yeah, I, I just I I don't I don't think it's good. Um, and we'll get into maybe why I don't think it's good in the spoiler zone. And then look, we're rushing through this because we want to actually talk about the movie. We want to talk about like how it deals with the cliffhanger from the last movie. So Joey, if listeners have not seen Halloween Five: The Revenge of Michael Myers, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it on Lionsgate Plus? I would say if you've watched Halloween Four then you should probably watch Halloween 5 and unfortunately Halloween 6 just to complete that arc. <laughs> but I... You're committed. I, I, I wish you luck. I wish you luck. And Peter, what about yourself? You know, I wanted to say something funny. It's like, oh, if you want to see Donald Pleasance fall out a window, but he doesn't fall out a window in this one. I, yeah, go watch it. <laughs> uh, I give up. Okay. He just gets smashed through a window and then thrown over a banister. Oh, that's true. If you want to see the movie where Michael Myers has a cool tattoo, watch Halloween Five. Yes, that that is true. That <laughs> the is Revenge. Yeah, Revenge. That is the one advantage that it has. Dar- Darren's notes ha- has it uh, Halloween V with the Roman numeral. Yeah, because I'm posh. Oh, fancy! <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, right? But no, it is. It is. It is like Halloween Four. This is very much like, look, we're giving you what you wanted. None of this pretentious nonsense. You get a real American number in your Michael Myers horror movie. <laughs> a real American number that comes from the Amer- Middle East. Amer- America, <laughs> America gave the world those numbers. <laughs> we we used to make numbers in this town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now we just import them from Rome. But um, I don't know why Harrison Ford is the person who feels so angry about importing new Maybe it's Clint Eastwood. Get off my plane. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> but Andrew, if listeners have not seen... Get off my number. Halloween V. <laughs> would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? Um, I would. I, I, I think this movie is interesting in terms of what I think it's doing with Michael. And I feel like it is doing what I think it's doing <laughs> with Michael. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I would recommend people watch it. I think this is an interesting film in the series and it sets up stuff like four. Um, <laughs> it sets up stuff um, where there are like questions left unanswered. Um, so I think you would want to uh watch this movie assuming that those questions are eventually answered which i believe they are <laughs> well <laughs> after a fashion yeah after a fashion yeah <laughs> <laughs> to some extent <laughs> some extent yeah and, okay and for myself i mean i i guess so um it is it is a more interesting movie i think than 4 for all that i think yeah. 4 is a better movie than this is for all i think 4 is a better constructed better made better shot better edited better structured movie than this ultimately is i i do think that this is is fascinating to watch and yeah. to try to figure it's out weird isn't it and i 
I have a pitch about what it is and what it's doing, and we'll get into the spoiler zone. I think that Joey is probably going to be very angry at <laughs> what I think it's doing, possibly even outraged that I would use the words that I'm going to use to describe <laughs> what I think it's doing or what I think it's trying to do. But with that in mind, we will say... Is it about Reagan again? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, no, it's a cowboy president. <laughs> no, it's about George H.W. Bush. This is 89. Oh, fair enough. Um, with that in mind, we're going to segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. So, Peter, what is Halloween 5, the revenge of Michael Myers, about for you? Halloween 5, the revenge of Michael Myers, is about... Sorry, I did... You know when you were in school and you had to answer questions like that, they were like, you have to put the whole question in your answer. Yes. <laughs> like, it's a bit sweet. And say, therefore. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Go. Uh, so I kind of think this one is clearly a middle chapter, which is weird because I haven't seen six. But I don't think they made six for a while, right? Yeah. No, no, they did not make six yeah. for another six years. Crazy. Well, I'm not in that movie. Mm. Who in that movie? Um, Ant-Man. Yes, yes, he is. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd from Clueless. <laughs> Radiohead. Yeah. Um, so I, f- I kind of feel like this movie is about questions. Not necessarily answering questions, but this is a movie about raising questions. A lot of questions. And I do have a lot of questions about this movie. So, you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, they knew that this was going to be a middle chapter. They're like, let's set a lot of stuff up and kind of like J.J. Abrams, like, not intend on ever answering them. <laughs> let some other director fucking sort that shit out. Fuck that. <laughs> well, I mean, it will surprise nobody to discover. As we said, this was a movie that was being constantly rewritten during production and post production. But it was literally like, apparently, a CAD said to, like, uh, often. Uh, often in Gerard, that like we should have something in here that teases like n- number oh. six, and oh. often in Gerard was like, okay, what 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 should it be? And he's like, I don't know, that's your job, <laughs> but I just want something in this movie that teases Halloween six. So that's why you get like the man in black, like this guy who travels up by bus, which is maybe the weirdest thing. Like he's got really nice shoes. Off the grid, he pays with chains. <laughs> yeah, that's where he is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like he's if he's able to like free Michael Myers from prison like he does at the end of this movie how is he traveling like by coach how does he not have like even a car or a pickup truck because then he would need a license and insurance and all that like governant name yeah stuff. I, yeah I think Andrew's right I think it's because he's he's traveling off the grid and he you know he wants to remain anonymous. Jack Reacher gets the bus. <laughs> but, like, what does he do with Michael, then? Does he get Michael on the bus and say, I'm sorry, my it's friend? It's Jack Reacher. <laughs> <laughs> you have to watch the sixth movie to find oh, out. That, that's fair. It's that's the, fair. The crossover event. <laughs> uh, but, like, also, Jack Reacher doesn't dress like he's the villain in, like, an you know, an 1890s Western. <laughs> from the waist up. <laughs> That's fair. We don't know what he's wearing from the waist up. That is because very... Because he's fair. got such an impressive line. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, so that is apparently like, nobody writing this movie knew what the man in black was or what he was going to be. Yeah. Or how he would pay off in Halloween 6, which 
makes a lot more sense when you watch Halloween Six. You're like, yeah, I, I, I can, I can feel that in hindsight. It feels under- like it's WWE's The Undertaker. <laughs> that is, that is obviously uh, who it is. <laughs> but before we talk about the Man in Black, we should probably talk about the Jamie Lloydness of this, right? Because this is kind of essential to the movie's development, where Mustafa Akkad, after Halloween 4 comes out, it's top of the box office for two weeks. He meets with cinema distributors and cinema chains, and they say, look, this is great for us. We would love to have a Halloween movie in our cinemas every Halloween from now until the end of time. And Mustafa Akkad is like, that sounds like a good deal (laughs) i think i can deliver that if you pay me bucket loads of cash and the distributors as he stands up to leave are like ah ah ah, one more thing don't you ever 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 fucking try to sell us a halloween movie without michael myers in it again don't try that shit with us so apparently mustafa oh jesus what are you talking to me like (laughs) Mustafa Akkad, apparently, like, that is the thing. Had to say, oh, sorry, Mustafa. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't read the room. Yeah, we just want to make, make you sure you know that we're serious. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's really unpleasant. You could, have, you could have phrased that more gently, I think. But apparently Mustafa Akkad comes out of that meeting and he's like, okay. So you know the way that the last movie ended with, like... <laughs> ended with Jamie Lloyd holding a big bloody knife, having stabbed her adoptive mother. It seems like we're setting up a movie that's going to be about her becoming a serial killer. Uh, Yeah, we can't do that. (laughs) There is no way that we can make a movie about Jamie Lloyd becoming a serial killer because everybody will think that we're trying to pull a fast one and make a movie without Michael Myers in it. Again, worth flagging. Everything that is part of the David Gordon Green movies feels like it is a response to these movies and the reaction to these movies Mm. where this sets up the idea of what if we have a story about a young child who is dealing with being a serial killer and then instead goes but we can't show that because then the same audiences who got upset at halloween three like she cannot call herself a serial killer until she yeah it's just one kill but she three, didn't even kill her it turns yeah. out she's gotta bring it up turns out she's fine those numbers <laughs> those are rookie numbers <laughs> those are rookie she numbers just fell in the bath and she got a bit wet i'm bloody yeah. <laughs> um like her her mother didn't even okay. kill anyone yeah i know <laughs> they, <laughs> but they it's it's such a throwaway comment where she's like oh yeah mom and dad send their love you know she's in hospital it's like what this child tried to kill you and you're it's, like, it's okay. I still love you. We'll see you at home eventually. Send her love. Not even their child. Yes, not even their You kind of cut your losses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like, I did my best. What do you want from me? Fuck that kid. <laughs> they stopped yeah. Me. No one would judge you for being like, no deal. They tried to kill me. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate the child. Just please don't send my love. I, I, yeah. I got no beef with them. I hope they're doing okay, but it's their own life from here on out. I mean, again, like Shem Bitterman's original pitch, which was great, which was the Halloween 5, The Killer Inside Me, which I love. I love as a subtitle, was supposedly going to be about Jamie dealing with like her latent serial killer urges cool. in which she would descend into madness and Michael Myers would develop psychic powers. That, that second part doesn't make any sense to me either, but that was apparently a key part of the pitch. He did write it in three days, <laughs> to be fair, in his defense. But like, yeah, it, it does really feel like they came out and they're like, okay, we cannot make, we never, we don't want, whatever happens, we don't want the audience to think that we're replacing Michael. 
Because that obviously was a big controversy with, we mentioned, Friday the 13th. Yes. Where a new beginning attempts to replace Jason. And then immediately it's like, oh, that's not, that's not get carried away Mm -hmm. here. Jason is back. Jason does in fact live. I want you all to know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this movie is dedicated to that. And I think that's like one of the big tensions of the movie. One of the big problems with the movie is that like four has such a great ending. Mm. And like the poster for five, which obviously that poster was produced before the movie entered production because the movie was produced incredibly quickly. But it has Jamie... The original mask again. Yeah. On that poster. It is. Yeah. It's the wrong mask again. <laughs> it's... How uh, would they get it wrong? Like, they <laughs> they hire this guy who's like, it, it, uh, he did the first one. And he, he um, you know, and, and since then he's only done it wrong. <laughs> Let's hire him again. He's a genius. <laughs> I mean, it was obviously a fluke. There was just something about yeah. that mask that wanted to be made. <laughs> so clear. Not, not to shit on, like, someone's work. I, I've done work like that where I'm like, I'm never replicating this. This is, like, an absolute happy accident. <laughs> but, but on the other hand, Peter, if somebody showed up and paid you several hundred thousand dollars and asked you, could you try and do it again? You'd probably say, I think I could go. Oh, I'd say, yeah. Oh. <laughs> when would you like it? <laughs> I think uh, I think it was deliberate with the posters, though. I think they wanted to make the mask look as good as possible on the posters to lure people in. Yeah, and then they were like, once they're in, they won't care. But of course, they do because <laughs> it's like, well, he looks like Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Jamie is wearing her clown outfit in that like poster, mm. which gives you the sense that this is going to be a continuation of the movie. Except it's not. It is not at all a continuation of the previous Halloween movie. But like, Joey, what do you think of like the, the Jamie-ness of this movie? So like, obviously I wish they went with the original idea, even if, I mean, I understand you want to have Michael in there. Michael could have been in the background and still killing him, whatever else. I think it would have been really cool to see what they did with this little girl struggling with them. Like a de-aged ghost of Michael Myers is there the whole time being like, kill somebody. <laughs> Is he played by Skeet Ulrich? Oh, stop. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. We're going to just slice everybody Sorry. up. Ah. Sorry. I like that. But she only uses her power for good, crucially, Peter. She only that's uses her killer powers for good. <laughs> when he shows her where when he shows her where the weapon is, that's the best part. I thought that was so camp. <laughs> He's just like over there. I'm making fun. I like those movies, but Yeah. Um obviously I gotta love 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 those movies too, but Obviously, we'll talk about it when we get to Halloween Ends, which, as you correctly said, is kind of like a response to this. And I think they do it in a really, really cool way. I know a lot of people were really, really unhappy with it, which suggests that if this did go with the original vision, it wouldn't have gone down well, however they did it. But as Andrew said, I think Daniel Harris is really, really good in this. I mean, she has to do... Terrific. She has to do so much. Like, the bit where she's trying to crawl out of the laundry chute and she uses the knife to climb, like... I mean, I don't even know how they how they did that, but it really seems like that kid is in there and struggling. Um, and I think, as you said, she's got great chemistry with Loomis, even though I'm not sure why Loomis is there in the first place. Is he her doctor? Did he just transfer? Yeah, did he just like transfer to Haddonfield and now works at the children's hospital all the time? Like, he that seems used to like be the... a child psychiatrist. Oh, that 
that's true. Fair, but his one child psychiatrist yeah. like record. When you see his reference, yeah, it it's work like out. it was the worst ever. Yeah. <laughs> what did you learn? Hey, you don't know. He had other patients. Yeah, maybe the other patients were perfect. What would you say your greatest weakness is? All those other patients got to go home. You know, they were good. He but did it's... some CBT and they they acted good. But like again, <laughs> again, nobody wants him there. Again, they're all just like, what yeah. is this guy doing there? Um, but Nurse Patsy, he, like who's, he, who's he's going to like so one of the other cho- children, and he's going now we're having a session, and he's like you're a poopy face, yeah. and he's like and he writes a book about like the jerk inside, um, <laughs> and the, the, the face of true jerk. <laughs> yes, he said I had a poopy face, and I don't, but he said that he's not a child, he's an asshole. Oh, God. <laughs> I do think it's interesting as well. Like, I know we've talked already about, um, I'm sure we'll talk more about how unfocused this movie is, but it has one less screenwriter than Har- Halloween 4. Because Halloween 4 had four, this one only has three. So I'm like, how did that happen? That with less people involved, but it, they somehow made it more convoluted? But it was also, again, the fact that they were writing it on the fly while filming it is probably also they a did, key fact. They probably did like a couple hours each, like, Jesus Christ, hurry up. Rotate, 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 yeah. rotate. It's all right, it's all right, it's all right, cocaine. <laughs> but well, it, it is still 1989. True. Andrew, I, I want to I wanna hear your pitch. Yeah. I, like, you've been, you've this, been setting this up. Michael, sell us, Andrew. Michael is broken. Michael is broken. He is having performance uh, issues. And, oh. Uh, yeah, they, they, it, it's, it, it's not uh, quite working for him. Okay. Um, I'm with you so far. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the, 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 uh, that's why Myers isn't as uh, scary in this movie, and he because he's kind of bumbling through it. Mm. <laughs> yes. Well. Yeah. This. this... I, I, I feel like he he's being traumatized and he's not quite right. I like this. So, like you know the way that the the David Gordon Green movies are about Laurie's trauma and yeah. Laurie processing her trauma. You're arguing that Halloween Five is about up. Michael working through. Yeah. Because I mean, he does have that scene with uh, with Nobody Jamie. likes him. What? Yeah, nobody. nobody likes him. They all hate him. And he has that moment with Jamie where he takes off his mask and he cries. Yeah. yeah. Like the Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is. I see his face so much in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was really, really surprised by that. But there there are moments when the, the stuntman is visibly struggling as well, especially when he's in that river at the start. <laughs> And I mean, I guess they could only do that. that oh, yeah. He's like, oh. They could only do that one time <laughs> because the poor man. But like... That feeds into what you're saying, Andrew. Like, Michael's at a crossroads here. He doesn't know where to go. Yeah, he's having problems connecting with himself, I think. And he's just kind of like lying there for a year, hoping that he's going to figure things out and he doesn't. I mean, he has that scene with the Hermit. Like, again, you know that this movie was famously, like, again, so hacked together. The opening sequence was really going to feature a witch doctor. Ha! Mm. And they were like, no, that's too absurd. That's- too key. That's too weird. That's too out there. So, like, how about he's just a hermit with a parrot? And they're like, okay, sure, that'll work. Paracol Tuki. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, by the way, that, like, you can see him grab the man's head, but then smash him with a rock, which he has to hold with both hands. Yeah. And I'm like, how, how does that work? <laughs> Did he break his neck and then smash his head with a rock? And the, the, la- the last words from the hermit were like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he had he had a great little setup talking about off the grid. He had a great setup. Yeah, lovely little place. He's in some kids' playhouse. 
hammered it together. I'm assuming it's him who comes back at uh, later in the movie on the boat. <laughs> it's the hermit finally. Because like, you don't see the hermit from the waist down in those scenes. That's a very good point. <laughs> true. He's made his fortune as well. He's like, I got new shoes. <laughs> We, we should note, by the way, that here, um, the character of Michael's played by Don Shanks, who is a Native American actor, who very famously got a big, his big break in the life and times of Grizzly Adams, um, where he's cast the Native American friend of the front, Frontiers woman. A lot of times I didn't get any dialogue or I spoke an Indian dialect, so I had to listen and see what's going on. For his, and I love this, for his Halloween 5 audition, Shanks listened as the director, Dominic Othenen Girard, shared his visions of Michael Myers. And I like to imagine thick French-Swiss accent here. Then asked, asked Shanks to walk like wood through water. Shanks strode as if he were rigid but able to flow. Where there is resistance, you are still able to move. And he got the part. Kind of love that audition story. It feels like that is kind of key to understanding Halloween 5. If you want to get what Halloween 5 is doing. You have to take a script. You have to put it <laughs> dans le poubelle. <laughs> and, yeah. And this is what you get. Um, I mean, it it is worth... If I were making my crazy pitch for what Halloween 5 is doing. Yeah. I think that it is trying to reposition the Halloween franchise in the rich tradition of giallo horror, Italian horror, typically, you know, associated with directors like Dario Argento, this European school of horror filmmaking, which was admittedly a huge influence on the slashers of like the late 1970s and into the 80s. It was a huge influence on Carpenter on the, say, the eyes of Laura Mars or the original Halloween. You can trace its roots back to the first two Friday the 13th movies. Like the slasher genre as a whole owes a lot to giallo, but it kind of branched out and went in its own particular direction and i think you can argue that like from the mid 80s through to the early 90s you started to see something of a refocusing of like american thrillers that weren't just slasher movies okay you know that were more you know erotic thrillers for example or just more suspense thrillers you know Mm. we're talking about movies like say tightrope and body double from 1984 you know the clint eastwood when clint eastwood is making a giallo homage you know you're in trouble you have like white of the eye from 1987 you've got night moves from 1992 basic instinct from 1992 color of night from 1994 and like all american murder from 1991 starring like christopher walken like there is this sense that this stuff is kind of permeating the culture and it does feel a little bit like halloween 5 more than halloween 3 or halloween 4 is kind of trying to shift the franchise back towards the heightened stylized approach of these movies and look there are a number of different elements in this movie that feel like they're more heavily indebted to giallo than previous installments have been like anybody watching this cared about giallo though did they i know i don't think anybody watching it did yeah it's like fucking phenomenal yeah But like the the Myers household is like a gothic mansion, which is kind of incredible way, with they, death traps. Yeah, in that's it. true. Totally different house. It's such a different house. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes. I actually wrote down: Is this supposed to be the Myers house? It was supposed to be the Myers house, and the reason is because all all scenes in this movie were shot in the same building. <laughs> it it does look like that. To be fair, it really does. Because they're always there. 
they're going from like the the Carruthers's house to the Myers's house to the to 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 the to the psychiatric hospital for children. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> and they they're all, all the, the same, same building. Well, like in yeah. the geography is very confusing, and I noticed at one point that the Carruthers house is across from a Montessori school. Yeah. Oh, the farmhouse <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, and I was like. Is that and I'm thinking, is that doubling for the children's hospital? Because that would make sense, because they'd have all the stuff they need there. But yeah, the geography of where is that farm? When they walk they walk out of the house and they're walking for like five fucking minutes and then they're at the children's hospital. <laughs> and you only find out they're at the children's hospital because it cuts inside the children's hospital to them looking yeah. out, being yeah. like, There they are. It like this, it's this, strange how california doubles for illinois really really well somehow yeah but i believe this is i think this is salt lake city or something yes yes it was it could not be shot in pasadena where the previous movies happened because it looked a lot like los angeles (laughs) (laughs) it did it does no it does it looks more like california than actual california yeah illinois doesn't look like illinois on film you gotta shoot in pasadena so what do you do if you want something that looks like Pasadena? <laughs> uh, you mostly just shoot in Salt Lake City. <laughs> like some some of the kind of street shots. Um, but yeah, they, it's just, it it's like they're playing make-believe and they're pretending that they're in all of these different locations. <laughs> but it's they, really just one set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We dirtied it up a little bit. But again, like to, to, back, to get back to the Giallo stuff, like the villain who's dressed entirely in black, is very much like the Giallo villain who has the black gloves is the typical signifier there. You have things like, say, for example, the emphasis on the psychic um, powers. And again, common trope in 1980s horror, particularly as you get towards the end of the decade, uh, where you had basically, I think it was like Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master, all have female final girls with psychic powers like the psychic powers here. But it does kind of, again, feel like it's it's very Giallo-esque. And like, while we talked about how Halloween 4 is bloodless in some senses, in that like, they had to go back and do a day's shooting of blood, this is quite graphic and kind of quite like full of like flashes of red and color Mm. in a way that I associate with Giallo. And again, it's not just the Giallo, but even things like, say, the lingerie, where I think like Joey mentioned last week, there's a topless scene in 4 where you don't get to see any breasts, but she's wearing white lingerie. Yes. Whereas in this movie, in the sex sequence, she's wearing much more luxurious, mm. kind of like yeah. red. red. Yes. Like much more vivid red. It's a fairly titillating trousers on sex scene. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean... Like it... it, it, it that- it really kind of goes I for think it, like in spite of the lack of nudity. The yeah. body parts are a bit off, though. It's a bit like the room where he's aiming for like the wrong right, place. Yeah. It does look a bit like that where you're like, oh, no, that's that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what the original pitch for that was, right? The original pitch well, for that sequence. Was- she 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 loves it. Her, it's her, her, her belly button. Oh, sorry. It's, it's, uh, well, sorry. Again, like many sex scenes, like as soon as he enters her, she starts coming. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he's exactly. doing, but well, like... I mean, I I I think it's um, it's Spitz. Um, yes, which is uh, a not suggestive name at all. Spitz. I think Michael Walker is good as Spitz. I think he he adds kind of fun camp energy. He's like. Uh, I'm sorry. Which one is he? He's not the one who looks like the fun. Spitz. I, stop saying. Spitz. He's the blonde one who dressed up as Michael Myers. Oh yes, I know exactly. Sorry. Yes, I was like, it's not. It's not the one who's called Michael. <laughs> Very confusing. Oh, no, yeah. There's a guy called Mikey. 
confusingly yeah yeah because then when she's like michael michael it's like yeah that's his name it's just the wrong one a lot of car action in this movie like i love that like this is like the one there's a beautiful car it is the one note that this movie takes from the original halloween is michael can drive yeah like what do we know about michael myers at this point we know he can drive have we used that yet no i wrote that down i wrote that down good to know michael can still drive although again as we've discussed (laughs) before it's an automatic so you know No, this is stick, isn't it? I believe. Is this a yeah, stick? Yeah, that's a stick. Oh, but then how can this he is drive? Stick, yeah. Oh, then how can he drive that? Come on. Oh, he must. That's unrealistic. He Joey. must have learned at some stage during his <laughs> killing spree. No, the hermit taught him. He was doing perfectly fine tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he can drive stick now too. <laughs> but like. And again, to get back to the kind of giallo-ness of it, like it, it does feel like they're the campness of it, like the two cops as well oh, who get that oh. sequence. I believe it's that's an homage, oh to, which is terrible, to be clear. I, I don't think any of this is good. I'm just he still cops. I, I'm more noting that these are things that happen that are relevant to the comparison mm. to giallo. I not believe. <laughs> But that like, they did a comedy sound. Yeah, I was. They do clown horns. And, they, I wrote, and I was like, I wrote, what happened there? Plinky plonky circus music. I, I like. I thought I was hallucinating, and Peter was like, "Did I just hear yeah. that right? Is was that just a?" Weird? And then it happens again. It's like, what? That was on purpose. It's so out of place. I took off my headphones. Yeah. I was watching this on the train. I don't I took blame off my you. Headphones. I looked around like for the clown. And what's going on? Yeah, because they hit you with it once. It's just like a little bar. And then they go again. <laughs> and then you have to wait another second for it to go again. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that was on purpose. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't swapped the set. They get the bulk and skull music. <laughs> but again, apparently that was a reference to Last House on the Left with its comedic Keystone Cop. But again, Weird. that tonal jarring of like broad comedy and kind of slasher horror. I liked it. It felt like they belonged in a different movie and they, they shouldn't be there. It really did. It The tone completely <laughs> yeah. changed when they were around. That's, like this is um, sort of a weird movie. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. 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 No. That, that is like, like that, I I'm like that about it. I don't think somebody came and made a good argument for why that should be in it. I think somebody <laughs> came and like said here's something crazy and, it's like, and let, let's do this because like hey we're 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 making a movie we can do whatever we want <laughs> but it's also like this scene of these two cops walking from the doorway to the conversation isn't really popping and it's like i got some ideas about that and it's like wah, 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 or whatever the clown horn sound effect is and the director is like i like it i'm engaged Good. It's in the movie. We haven't got time to go up. First idea, best idea. Uh, by the way, you mentioned that sex scene. Um, famously, this is a movie that I think ran, it ran afoul of uh, censors. Oh. Its first cut got an X rating. Really? So they had to cut a bunch of material. Yes. I think a large part of that is down to kids in oh. that like the MPAA is very sensitive when you do anything involving kids. So apparently like you mentioned that sequence. If- uh they have a rule where if you're chasing a um, a young girl, she has to be like uh, much faster than you would expect her to be. <laughs> she is it, uh, or, or, or maybe, able to outrun a muscle car. Yeah, she she she's like a a, a young princess Leia. Well, um, you know what's what's funny is or that- like, like Ashley Judd <laughs> in Double Jeopardy as well. She she escapes from a, a car a car. Yeah. 
Sorry, sorry. Sorry. Dan. No, no, no. Um, no, it's just occurred to me. Uh, Danielle Harris on her podcast on she does a podcast with Scout Taylor Compton called Talk Scary to Me, Ooh. where they talk about like their experiences in the industry and Rob, working with Rob Zombie, whatever. But they talked about how when Danielle Harris was a kid walking on working on Halloween four and five, she had to do pretty much everything. But she said when they were working on Rob Zombie's Halloween with Dave Ferris, who plays the young Michael Myers, for the really, really violent scenes, it was a different actor. He was not there. So it just shows how like times have changed. But I'd say that kind of thing has a lot to do with it, where filmmakers were just, they weren't arsed dealing with that kind of feedback anymore. And they wanted to be like, well, no, for this scene, it was not Daniel Harris. It was this other person. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the, the sequence, for example, like she was supposed to get cut by Michael in the garbage disposal in the shoot sequence, mm. like where he reaches down with a knife. You're supposed to see the knife cut her leg. In fact, she has a scar, I think, when she comes out the bottom. You can see it on her leg. But they had to cut the sequence of him cutting her because that gave the movie an X rating. Wow. I think there was some more graphic stuff around like the death of Mikey that was supposed to be more graphic as well. And I believe there were initial plans. I don't know if this was ever shot. The sex scene where Michael impales your man with the... um. With the pitchfork? Yes. That was meant to happen during the sex act. <laughs> and he would kind of thrust, he would thrust the guy back and forth, like trying to get him off the pitchfork while sex was oh happening. Oh my God. Was basically the, the original She'd pitch. have her eyes closed and she's like, yes, like that. Yeah, that was exactly <laughs> the mean, pitch, that, Andrew. Yeah, that that, was that is rough. <laughs> that is rough going. M- Michael Myers, is, yeah, but... Yeah. Yeah. So that would that did not make it past the early pitch stages of the movie to be clear. <laughs> but like there is a kind of a nice uh, there is a gonzo energy to this where like the killing off of Rachel Crothers. Yeah. Like the final girl from the previous movie, which is interesting. Where like the two final girls. There's there's yeah. there's a penultimate <laughs> and an anti-penultimate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> girl. That gives this movie such a weird energy because it it's yeah. like we oh, we kill Rachel Rachel's gone. Anyone could die. Rachel's fucking dead. Oh, <laughs> I bet you miss her all, right now. But then the entire rest of the movie th- pulls this double duty between Jamie and Rachel's friend. Who's like... Tina. I love Rachel's friend. Like, Tina, she's like she's got a ton of energy and stuff. She's got the kind of energy where you're like, I kind of don't want to see her die. Not in the in a very different way from like... Laurie. Mm. Laurie's like so straight lace and nice and you're like oh I want to see this nice kid get killed but w- w- with her she's like very very outgoing. She likes dogs. She loves her friends. For some reason she loves her friend's little sister which I don't think is realistic with teenagers but whatever. <laughs> uh, I, but it kind of makes this movie confusing where it's like whoa we just have this weird surrogate for Rachel from the last movie just carry on with what you would imagine Rachel would be up to. Yeah. You know, she has the, the boyfriend she needs to go see and the friends. and But not even that. It, it, yeah, it is. It's kind of weird. It is a strange. And it, then she dies. Yeah. At the, like at the second act, the end of the second act. So it's like we have a, as, as Andrew said, you have your anti-penultimate final girl, your penultimate final girl, where it's like, no, 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 definitely this is the protagonist of the movie. And then she dies and the movie, as Joey said, continues for a half hour after that point, which is very odd. Yes. <laughs> was that the moment, Joey? Oh, sorry, that you that you checked the timer and said there's a half hour left on this. Yeah, no, it is. Um, But I mean, like, I agree. I think I think it's very strange to establish Rachel in the previous film. She doesn't die. She survives. And then, yeah, 
part of the way through this one, it's just like, no, forget about her. We're focusing on Tina now. And Tina, it, it is a fun performance. She has such a strange energy and it bothers me that nobody, but especially Tina, seems to sense when Michael Myers is around because <laughs> that used to be a thing. Although, speaking of the Jallo influence, they do do a very bad job of hiding him in the shadows and I think it's on purpose. Oh. I'd like to think it's... Oh, in the background of the shot. There's a few shots where he's just milling about back yeah, there. He... He's just like kicking yeah, rock. Yeah, where they're talking. Like there were a couple of times yeah. where I, I actually asked Peter, I was like, sorry, is that Mike back there? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how can nobody see him? He, he's right there. But I, I guess that, like, I think it's kind of on purpose. I'm hoping it's on purpose. Otherwise, it's just a really big mistake. And then when Tina gets killed, the stabbing is so unconvincing. The knife kind of, like, bends weirdly when he does it. Yeah, it bends on her chest. Yeah, and it just looks terrible. So that death feels kind of inconsequential as well, where you're like, oh, we've been forced to care about this person and now her death kind of doesn't really have any weight to it. And then again, yeah, that's when I kind of looked at the clock and I was like, there's no way it's over. There's like a good half stretch her off. Yeah, they don't even cover her off. Well, that's what I. Yeah, I feel. I didn't think she was. I didn't even think she was dead. I think I said that to you at the time. I was like, oh, she's not dead because they haven't covered her. But I guess she is dead. Yeah. I feel like 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 she's she's only Michael hasn't got his groove back, as Andrew said. Maybe he just had performance anxiety. I think so. Yeah, and like she's only as dead as Loomis was when when Loomis was slashed like in 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 the stomach in the stomach. So like if if Mike Loomis, was really not having a good night, exactly. They, well, that's the thing. He, he can't do it, and and when he's supposed to be there, he's not. Where like there's all the fake outs, <laughs> you know, where where it's somebody else in a Mike Myers, a Michael Myers mask. I was gonna say there's way too many fake outs, like way too many. Yeah. It gets silly at oh, oh it's, yeah. well. It's because Michael Myers can't like uh, be there. He's not ready. He can't perform. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, to to the point about well, two things. First of all, apparently Lori Petty was nearly Tina, Aww, which is very I interesting love her. In terms of casting. Oh, okay. Uh, which would have been fascinating. And in Rachel's death, we should note by the way that there's this tradition in late eighties horror slasher movies of killing off the last movie's final girl to prove that you mean business. So, for example, it's true. Yep. Yeah, there's like is it Kristen in Nightmare on Elm Street Four, the Dream Master, mm-hmm. when she also gets recast from being Patricia Arquette, I believe, as well. Uh, and then you also have, I think it, it, there's there's another character in Friday the 13th. And then there's also like, even here you have like the shower scene. Again, the, the reference point here was that it, the, the comparison that the director made was that he wanted this to be like Psycho. So like Rachel gets showered before she gets killed off, like is the thing. Mm. At one point she flees the house wearing a bath towel as well. Mm. And very famously, the sequence was supposed to be very graphic. Michael was supposed to like grab her head and jam a scissors down her throat. Oh my God. I love, by the way, that like the first thing that the director did, well, second thing he did after he threw the script in the trash was like, I am going to make a movie so distasteful for all you Americans. (laughs) But apparently, uh, yeah, apparently that was vetoed. The they the direct the production team were like you you can kill her off but you you can't ram a scissors down her throat that is maybe maybe just a little bit too far and like I thought Rachel was good I thought like Ellie Cornell yeah she is good does a decent performance I thought Wendy Kaplan is good too yeah. I think the acting in this movie is much better than the fifth than in one. four yeah and sorry then then four I I just said the fifth one <laughs> um. I also think that, like, 
uh, Loomis shouldn't be allowed near children. Yes. And I so, kind of think he shouldn't be allowed near people. Yeah, like the moment where he like tries, he grab where he's like, why won't you help me, Jamie? Yeah. Why won't you help me? He's yelling in her face. Yeah, and he presses down on her in the bed as well. And you're like, this feels like it's a bad situation. Terrifying. This, this feels like one of those things in a video where we say, tell a grown up if something like this happens to you. This is a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like I, I do love the sequence where after Tina's died, where like he's like, "I told you, I told you this would happen," and like finally, fi- finally Jamie has had enough. And she's like, "Just tell me what you want me to do." Yeah, yeah. Like, he's he's always either terrifying or pathetic. Yeah, like he goes from like, <laughs> "Why you need to help? Please help, please." Um, <laughs> It's just kind of like vacillating. Uh, you, you mentioned, like, you, we, we talked about how there's, like, the penultimate girl and the anti-penultimate girl, and there's not really a final girl in Halloween 5. But I, I do think you can make an argument that finally, 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 Loomis gets to be the final girl here. I do think, like, structurally there is an argument that, like, Loomis is the final girl what? of Halloween 5. <laughs> there is a moment where he finally gets over that and i think there's another weird thing maybe i should have said instead of this movie being about questions this movie is about someone becoming michael myers but you don't know who's going to become michael myers because the whole time you're thinking like oh jamie jamie's got this influence she has this connection now for some some reason i don't know (laughs) And, you know, Lewis keeps talking to Michael. He's like, I know you have this anger in you. And, you know, he seems actually quite calm. To be honest, he's very measured. (laughs) But then we see, finally at the end, Lewis starts getting, like, slashed up by Michael. But then he stops caring about it. He stops noticing. And he starts fighting back. I feel like maybe for a brief second he starts channeling, at least until you know other movies where we start saying this is he has the stroke mm. or the heart attack or whatever, whatever they do with him or until they go like it's actually magic it's literally magic <laughs> but i feel like in this time in this one at least he taps into that a little bit he starts being able to finally fight back he starts to hit uh michael with a very big water uh yeah, excuse me a big rubber two by four <laughs> in the head like it was a, an evil dead movie and he, but he gets him. He gets his man. He drops a big fucking Scooby Doo net on him. <laughs> yeah, I, like he gets captured like a bear. <laughs> I have. I, I did punch the air. Like it felt like this. Like as Andrew said, Loomis is constantly either like his hysterical or pathetic. Mm. There's a moment where like he's talking to Meeker and he's like, "Don't you remember what happened last Halloween?" And Meeker like turns around and grabs him as if to hit him and says, "I remember what happened to my daughter." And like Loomis just goes. Of course you remember what happened to your daughter. Yeah. Um, but like there is that moment at the climax where he just finally feels like he gets he gets to have the moment that he has wanted to have his entire life. Where he's like, thank goodness I set up this giant bayonet earlier. Yes. He's your um, audience, surrogate. Yeah. But I, uh, Darren, Darren is a young, sexy Loomis. We, we discussed during our break of one week. <laughs> Between podcast episodes. I feel like as well, um, there's an idea that like Loomis is almost as indestructible as Michael. Because Loomis is just, yes, is just as hard I to know. kill. You know what I mean? 
I mean, if Carpenter had his way... And the son of a bitch. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. But, like, if Carpenter had had his way, obviously they'd both be dead. But, yeah, I think there's an element of that too, where he's like, you've met your match, Michael Myers. I feel like Michael Myers meets his match in so many ways. Like, it, it, his inadequacy, for a start, and Loomis um, is a match for him. But I also think that Jamie realizes that she just it's a game and she just has to cry uncle and yeah. he'll stop oh that's true that's, oh, that's true good i like that yeah that's very literal yeah yeah and again that that her in the coffin is very again very camp i know that that's calling back to him arranging the bodies in the house at the climax of the first halloween where he has like the tombstone and he has the bodies in the closet and stuff like that and dangling from the ceiling but that sequence where he puts his niece in a literal coffin and she looks up to him and says uncle and he cries Mm. that is again very heightened it feels very european in its filmmaking sensibilities in a way i don't associate with american slash movies andrew you may be slowly convincing that this is a better movie than halloween for well played uh the one big my one other big caveat i have with this movie is again like Halloween 4, it does feel like it taps into that kind of like 80s slasher conservatism thing with Tina, where like Tina's big thing is she, again, she abandons Jamie. She's like, look, you, one time you'll meet this guy and you'll know that you need to be with She's him. She's no talking matter- about Mike. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of like, yeah. are, you, are, you, are you sure? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking about? There's so much irony in that where she's like, whoa, it just makes you feel electric and you just have to be with him. And he's this dick who just keeps looking at his hair in the mirror. Exactly. It's he her- loves his fucking cardboard and everyone else. All his friends make fun of him despite of him being like this cool greaser dude. And they're just like, you suck. And he gets so wound up about it. <laughs> he really does but again and the bit where jamie says even the boogeyman it's like well you could call him that yes i i i like how in this movie kind of uh mikey oh mikey you have the body of a 40 year old man (laughs) sorry (laughs) mikey does suck but the movie knows he sucks and i feel like in 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 four wade sucks but the movie is maybe a little less clear on whether he sucks or not yeah 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 where like he he does get to at least stand up to Michael. I know he fails, but he does stand yeah. up. Whereas here, Mikey just gets taken out for a shortcut. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, Mikey, has your personal hygiene improved since we were last <laughs> together? <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we would talk about? So, Peter, anything else in your notes about Halloween Five? About Halloween. So, there's something recently, as in like literally at the start of this episode, where we were talking that I realized, which is. Jamie can't talk for a big chunk of this movie, and it yeah. is, it's like a problem. Yeah, um, like she's trying to communicate what's what's happening, what she's seeing, and she just can't talk. And it's like, why is this happening? And I didn't realize it now. That's Michael. Yes, it's not just that. Um, it's not just that she's gone through trauma and she's just stopped talking. It's like literally, Michael doesn't talk, so she doesn't. Oh, th- that never occurred to me either. That's clever. Right. I love the, the child with the speech impediment as well is the one that... Oh, he's so annoying. <laughs> that warms to her. Yeah. Um, because like, because they're kindred spirits. Oh, he's an... She can't speak. He can't speak without a, a stutter. 
I, I will admit, like, my mind in, in the gutter. Now, I will say that this movie put my mind in the gutter so I don't feel too shameful about it. But the sequence where Jamie is being, like, pounded by images, like, of what is happening to Tina. And, like, it's at the cookie shop. And there's the, the woman with the mar- oh, there's the woman oh with the marquee who has the cookies covering her breasts. Oh my god. And there's the moment where they're trying to figure out like where she is and all Jamie's saying is big, big, and she's making gestures with her hands as if to say round big, and I'm round, juicy cookies. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> but, but one officer one officer gets it immediately. He's like, It's that one. Yeah. And you're like, he's Oh, like, yeah. he's had some lonely nights over there. <laughs> he's like on the beat and he's like, I just gotta pull over for some coffee. Cookies. Oh. <laughs> Giant cookie lady, you're the only one who understands <laughs> me. So yeah, that was very funny. Um, I also another way it uh, it ties into the Jallo thing is that the ADR is frequently off. I don't know if anyone else noticed that. Yes. It was so bad at parts where people's lips weren't moving, but there was dialogue. <laughs> I was like, ah, it's so quaint. Uh, I got more notes. Don't forget the kittens. Oh, do you love? <laughs> oh yes, the kittens. <laughs> I got more. Uh, so uh, right at the start of this movie. We reuse footage from the last movie when we shoot Michael Myers a ton. Uh, and then we get some slightly new footage where they fuck a lot of dynamite down the hole after him. <laughs> I'm like, why? Was that just sitting in the squad car? But it's a much deeper hole as it's well. Like, like in the in four. Oh, it's way deeper. In four, it's like a grave. And then in five, it's, grave, in yeah. five, it's like a full on no, well. It, like a, like a was, mine. It was always a mine shaft. Yeah, I think they they, they um, but they, it it looks like a um grave. I think looks they, like they, a they, in 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 <laughs> in one of those grave mines. You know, it looked like it was kind of like a, uh, initially it looked like he he had fallen into like uh quicksand or something. <laughs> but um, I yeah, the sorry, what was I going to say? <laughs> the, <laughs> no, it's gone. But I, they blow that shit up. They're just like, yeah, we had this line around in the and the precinct. I don't know. Bring the dynamite, boys. Well, not to reopen like last week's Darren's hot takes on Halloween Four as a commentary on Reagan era America. But again, oh. I mean, look, government ain't gonna be providing you with dynamite. That's you got to be an enterprise and individual, of course. You got to bring it yourself. Somebody in that militia is gonna have dynamite. And the second thing is like the whole. It's it's a well. And they're sending him, they are literally sending Michael back to hell. Yeah. Because Michael is a demon in Halloween 4. He is like a satanic presence, which he isn't in any of the others. He's more of a pagan monster in the other ones. But in 4, I think he is meant to be demonic. And they're like, nope, back to hell he goes. Um, I do love he just crawls out of the wreckage into a river here. Yeah. Am I imagining it? Or at some point in the Myers house... Do they cut to a whole lot of Navy SEALs? <laughs> like, just oh. there. That, yeah, that we don't see again. Oh, yeah, that's the SWAT team. That's what SWAT teams used to look like. They Like, we have our image now of what they look like, but um, in the 70s and 80s, when it was still kind of like a newish kind of thing, they were just like, yeah, they were just like dudes in caps with like slightly better color. <laughs> like all camouflage on and stuff, but they're indoors. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I- Again, Andrew, not not never, to not never to, appear not <laughs> again. To, not to undermine your this is how Michael got his groove back kind of movie, which I think is a great pitch, and I agree with it entirely. <laughs> but 
it is worth noting that A, Michael, like, murders an entire children's clinic off screen in order to generate a distraction so he can go towards the house. But I was initially, when I was first watching it, I was like, wait, did, did Loomis call in a fake attack on, like, that children's hospital to distract the cops that Michael come into the house? No, Michael just apparently strategically murdered a bunch of people in a children's house off screen. Well, we don't know that. He could have just, like, put... Some, like, they they could all be having tummy bugs. Fair, that's fair. (laughs) Uh, The second thing is that there was, again, another sequence in this movie that was apparently either filmed, either never filmed or cut from filming, where Michael was supposed to murder that entire SWAT team. Oh. Which, again, it feels like something from David Gordon Green's Halloween Kills. they set it up, but they don't pay it up. So when they they make the final cut of the movie, don't set it up. No, it's true. Just take it out. But we paid for all these guys with guns. So. <laughs> I tell you, when you see Michael Myers square up against, uh, let's say, a group of people with a job, I'm not. Maybe <laughs> I'm alluding to a later movie. You might just go like, "Hell yeah, I'm going to watch him fuck these guys up." And this movie doesn't have that. I would have paid good money to see Michael Myers wreck a SWAT team. Totally, just like the Predator or something in there. Just terrible. You do get to see Michael Myers uh, fucking up a a deputy who's named, his name is Eddie, and he seems to be like bashing his head off the steering wheel. And it's really brutal. Like, it, and we don't really know who this guy He's is. crying over the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's, I, I, I thought that was tremendous. Like, they, in, like, it doesn't do that much. But yeah, the, the, the crying over the radio and just the, the, the kind of the blunt force of, of, of it seems, seems so kind of tragic. The one good cop ever is looking after yeah. Jamie at the time. He's like, <laughs> we're going to get through this little girl. You're a brave kid. He's great. He's uh, uh, Charlie. Charlie Block. Name. Yeah, by, by Troy, Troy Evans. Troy Evans. He's really decent. Yeah. yeah, I love the tap, 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 the bit where they do the rehearsal bit, where it's like, you want to rehearse the signal? And I'm like, oh, yeah. you are going to die. You are too I, good for this I earth. Think, like, the characters and the performances of uh, of the actors playing those characters are better. In than in Halloween 4. Yeah, like, I'd say the plot is probably... Um, like a bit Less all over the place, but but uh, but I but I I I I kind of like that. Mm. I think it's a bit wild. Well, I mean, he does break out of prison. A, a cowboy does show up in town and and spring Michael Myers from jail <laughs> with possibly with explosives, with it's spare a dynamite. On, like, Western, right? Yeah, yeah. More more explosions. Can I also just say that um, Halloween Eve is not a thing. There's a mention of Halloween. Oh, yes. That's not a thing. Yeah, we both got mad about that. <laughs> I also... Halloween. One more day till Halloween. 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 One more day till Halloween. Silver shamrock. There's also not a lot of uh, Mike's POV in this, which I always think is... I always like Mike's... A little bit of Mike's POV. Also... There's no one What? There's no one... There is a bit when she's running. Like, again, this There's... is... The... Oh, Sorry. There's a like when when Jamie is kind of like running from him. There are long takes of just following her running through. That's true. That are kind of handheld. Mm. Um, again, like this is the big difference where I mentioned last week. Like Carpenter's style is incomparable. Yeah. He's one of the best directors who ever lived, and like Halloween is one of the best slasher movies ever made. It's unmatched because like Carpenter just knows what he's doing instinctively. Mm. And one of my big problems with Four is that like little. 
ironically does too little it, he just points the camera at what he wants to shoot and it's just it's done yes yeah. it's it doesn't feel like it's like let's do multiple takes doesn't feel like what's the most interesting angle i can get it's just like what is the clearest shot that shows what is happening on screen at this moment and on the other hand you do have like dominic Othan and gerard who's just like more it's like my response to this is like Carpenter is too restrained. I'm going to do wide angle fisheye close up lenses with distorted imagery. I'm going to do handheld photography. We're going to do takes where I'm running through corridors, holding the camera, waving it in my hand. We're going to do frantic maximalist cuttings. We're going to do like Dutch angles. It is it is a very maximalist heightened kind of very European style. Like four is very restrained and five is whatever the opposite of restraint is perhaps unrestrained if you will uh in terms of its filmmaking so i think i think that's fair i think that's a fair point to make what why is there a granny at that party that was someone in makeup joey in the in the farm no that was a granny why was she there she looked so confused did she get lost or something it was like she technically owns Dude, the that barn. was a teenager that was not a teenager peter that was a granny <laughs> It is a 1980s movie, so she was probably a teenager. She's meant to look, she can she can play about 20, <laughs> about 20, right? She just like she's just like she's on Dawson's Creek next week. Yeah, she, she's, she's just like doddering around, like what am I doing yeah. here? It's so weird. <laughs> she's Dawson's new love interest. <laughs> this is one of the Dawson's Creek actors when they were a bit younger <laughs> yeah. in 1989. Yeah. Um, just before we wrap up, then uh, just worth noting, 1989. A rough year for horror. In some year, in some ways, a rough year for blockbusters. We talked about it before. It was the summer of blockbusters. It was the big summer where you had releases like you know do you have Batman. A list? I, I I do not have a list, Andrew. Actually, Ew. you know what? Okay, you know what, Joey? Fine, just 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 just, just for that. that. Jesus, Does this all the time? <laughs> I love a list, Andrew. A bit, I didn't have a list. If I didn't have it in my notes, now I have to Google it. I hope you're happy, Andrew. To the fact machine. <laughs> to the fact machine. So it was the summer of Batman. But if you want to talk just in terms of sequels, it was the summer of Karate Kid three, Indiana Jones three, Police Academy five, Ghostbusters two, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, Back to the Future two, National Lampoon two. Chinatown 2, The Two Jakes, License to Kill, Star Trek 5, and then like you had the, the sequels that were lining up for the following summer, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 2, 48 Hours 2, Robocop 2, Gremlins 2, Exorcist 3, Back to the Future 3, Young Guns 2, Basket Case 2, Child's Play 2, Good Morning Chicago, The Rescuers Down Under, Ernest Goes to Jail, oh. Three Men and a Little Lady, The Neverending Story 2, Rock and Roll High School Forever, Naked Gun 2, Action Jackson 2, Predator 2, Die Hard 2, Highlander 2, and, and obviously Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, yeah. We want to hear about it's horror. Been revoked. <laughs> it's just been revoked. They're plum out there, community. <laughs> oh. So good. <laughs> Mel Gibson sucks, but oh. <laughs> Her and Patsy Kenzie. Is it him and Patsy Kenzie? That's that's Lethal Weapon too. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, basically the like it had reached the point where like the Hollywood, the the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times were publishing like lists of sequels. It's like how crazy is Hollywood flooded with sequels? But it was crucially not a great year for horror. Uh, you had movies like Puppet Master and Chud Two, Bud the Chud going direct to video. 
where those franchises were based. uh, Right, underground dwellers. Yep. Yeah. So that's right. (laughs) You also had, like, for example, you had film franchises released where, like, Nightmare on Elm Street Five: The Dream Child was the second lowest grossing film in that franchise at that point, behind only Nightmare 2. You had Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, which is still to this day the lowest grossing entry in the Friday the 13th franchise. And Halloween 5 is still the lowest grossing entry in the Halloween franchise, adjusted for inflation. Wow. Wow. So this was a bad bad summer for these horror movies all of them were outperformed by the fly 2 starring eric stoltz and i am not making that up that is a movie that actually (laughs) definitely 100 percent exists sort of michael j fox uh like filmed all those scenes and was removed yeah they they did they looked at the edit and they're like the michael j fox that isn't working we need to recast it but unfortunately they kept fox on set for several weeks while everybody else knew that he was going to be replaced by stoltz it was a very sad situation all right, then. So that then wraps it up. Obviously, uh, the movie did not perform as well as everybody expected. It arrived to pitchforks. Uh, it underperformed at the box office. And basically, Akkad, to be fair to him, said, OK, we're not doing another one next year. We could rush one out. We're not. We're going to let the franchise breathe. We're going to take a little moment. We're going to figure out what to do next. When we come back with a sequel to Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, it is going to be a masterpiece. We will have worked it all out. We will put so much thought, care, attention, love, and craft into this movie that people will be blown away. So that will be what we will be talking about next week. But... Is there anything else we want to I swear to God, Akkad, if you don't bring back Michael Myers in the sixth one. (laughs) You're dead. You're a dead man. I will curse you. I will fucking curse you. (laughs) Don't try any of that Jamie shit with us. Uh, All right. So anybody else have anything you want to say about Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers? Uh, I did like the the visceral pumpkin slashing in the beginning. Oh, the opening sequence was actually... Yeah, that was nuts. It was actually food waste. That was nuts. Yeah. (laughs) um well played andrew is there any inappropriate smoking yeah uh there, i feel like the, it's threatening to be discontinued as a segment the inappropriate smoking that's fair that's we, fair. we often like struggle to 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 to, to find any in terms of robocop robocop obligatory robocop reference he's not performing he's not himself like robocop and robocop 2 <laughs> good, good hustle well played andrew yeah. well, well played all right, then. So that wraps it up. What we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something, something they're enjoying at the moment. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings them joy in these uncertain times. So to give Peter, to give Joey a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. I'm uh, like s- struggling with a recommendation. I did see a movie this <coughs> week. and I'm not sure how I feel about it exactly, but I think it is a good movie. I saw um, American Sniper. Um, Ooh, the Bradley the Cooper. Uh, Bradley oh Cooper, Clint Eastwood movie. So, yeah, no, it, it it was, I think it worked very well as kind of what it was, but I'm kind of struggling to, uh, you see, it's, 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 I think, I think it, it's, it's the best difficult. version of that movie that could exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure. difficult anyway to make like any, uh, war movie that isn't in some ways a kind of like an endorsement of war 
that doesn't make like young boys want to go uh, and fight and kill bad guys. And the the movie does that, but it's it it's it's exciting. I think the performance by Cooper is good. Um, his transformation kind of for it is quite good. I think the the sense of his trauma is quite well uh, realized. And may, maybe 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 the movie wants it. It feels like the movie maybe wants to leave it like a little bit vague as to what it thinks of the man, what it thinks of the man, and what point it's trying to make as a movie. Which which and I I I think it kind of opens it up to to different interpretations. So you could be kind to it, or you could be kind of like hard Cynical, on it, depending yeah. on where you're coming from i suppose but i i i i i i have to admit i and i i enjoyed it I, I, um so it's not like the most ringing endorsement but but um it's good no, i um, mean i i'm i'm a clint eastwood defender i think like, yeah he, most of his movies are at least worth a watch even the yes. ones that are not great um because he knows what he's doing and they're always kind of absolutely i i really need to revisit sully because sully was a movie i think i saw the day after Trump got elected. And it kind of cast a bit of a pallor over Clint Eastwood's classic, they're railroading him narrative. Uh, this poor guy standing up to the system. And I was like, I feel like I've, I've had enough of that for the moment, Clint. It's like, but you don't understand. They're railroading him. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, Clint. Um, so I need to, I need to, need to revisit that. But I, I have a huge soft spot for Eastwood as a director. Yeah. Um, and I think we talked about it in. No, wait, we never talked that. We never recorded an episode about Gran Torino. Never spoke about. Gran never Torino. spoke about Gran Torino under any circumstances. If listeners search the archives, they won't find an episode. Why are we? No. <laughs> don't don't look. <laughs> All right. There's no point because you won't find anything. Peter, <laughs> what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? So perhaps perhaps this was a mistake but this week it was my birthday oh happy birthday Peter. uh don't say happy birthday don't don't no, <laughs> sorry on happy birthday uh, don't have a happy birthday i uh, uh i hope it was an unpleasant birthday am i doing it right but maybe it's maybe maybe this was a mistake but me and joey at the end of the day kind of sat down to have some food which is quite nice we watched the movie and maybe you'll realize why this might have been a mistake to go on to a podcast and talk about two horror movies after watching. But we watched Sisu, uh, which is a great movie about a tough as nails uh, winter war veteran killing a shit ton of Nazis. Uh, it looks great. Various, it's so good. Very, uh, very creative way. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, maybe might have cooled me a little bit more on Halloween 4 and 5. These comparatively bloodless movies. Yeah, where the core isn't quite as inventive. <laughs> There's never a moment where Michael Myers throws a landmine at the head of a cop, for example. Michael Myers does not hang off of a plane in this movie, <laughs> either of these movies. But um, I keep calling him, I keep thinking of him as being called Sisu. He does have a proper name. <laughs> But he fucking does it. It's like, what if John Wick had to fight some Nazis? And John Wick also kind of, he's kind of resilient in a way that um, Michael Myers is too. And in a way, this movie implied that that was coming from a very angry place. So kind of, look, it automatically works. It works. <laughs> but it's also a really good movie. You should check it out. 
It's a rare exports guy. Yeah. Well, he's the, the, it sounds like this Sisu is, is, is the, the, the Baba Yaga. Yeah, he is a, he is a bit of a Baba Yaga. <laughs> And you kill his fucking dog. They have they have a moment like <laughs> you that. You stole his fucking gold. They have a moment like that in Sisu where they're like, the Russians couldn't kill him. <laughs> we have to leave. We cannot fight this man. Um, it I I've I've seen it. I will second it's that great. recommendation. It was it was tremendous, tremendous fun. It's and it's beautiful as well. The cinematography is just stunning. Oh, yeah. It looks gorgeous. It's weird because it's like it's this like hyper violent, like really gory, fun action movie, and then also like everyone. There's a couple of really like quiet, super wide shots of just like, like a tank rolling across Lapland, and it's like, wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's the the um oh, uh, on Darren's Netflix. I once put on like a train <laughs> moving <laughs> through Scandinavia <laughs> and, then, and then he he just got a whole lot of recommendations oh my god more, <laughs> more. To, be fair, to be fair it's like when you you, sh- you use my YouTube account to show me videos of was it Boardwalk Empire she knows. set to rap music <laughs> yeah she knows she knows and then, so my recommendation <laughs> algorithm is just showing me compilations of Nookie Thompson it's like hey up. macho man you don't want to watch some more <laughs> the most Thompson. the most macho of prestige television's heroes <laughs> Nucky Thompson played by Steve Buscemi um Joey, <laughs> what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, I'm going to recommend a couple of Daniel Harris movies from her later career. She's obviously she's done a lot of horror still and a lot of its indie stuff. But a couple of my favorite roles are when she's in Hatchet. She takes over the role of Mary Beth in Hatchet 2 and she plays it in Hatchet 2 and Hatchet 3. And she's so fantastic. And I mean, if you love gore, if you love slashers, those are the movies to watch. I feel like I'm like a broken record saying that Victor Crowley should be a slasher icon I can't believe that like people think Jigsaw is a horror icon or worse yet, Art the Clown. I'm just like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills over here. Nobody talks about Victor Crowley. He's played by Kane Hodder, who played Jason, like, and he's so great. But those movies are great if you're wondering what Danielle Harris did like a bit later on in her career. She's still great. She's still pretty feisty. She's still playing a final girl and she's still really tiny as well. So that's fun too. It's like the juxtaposition of like her... <laughs> tiny little Daniel Harris and this like huge killer looming over her. <laughs> so yeah, Hatchet 2 and Hatchet 3. I mean, the whole, all four of them are great, but she's in 2 and 3. In terms of recommendations uh, from myself, I would recommend it's probably on streaming by now. They Disney have probably hit the emergency send to streaming button that I think Steven Soderbergh suggested they install. <laughs> but I had a really good time with The Haunting in Venice. Uh, the, Me too! The third <laughs> Kenneth Branagh uh, Perot movie. I'm not a huge fan of the first two. I think the first two don't work for me because they try and turn Perot into like a blockbuster action hero. Whereas this time Branagh's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> now I do the 60s Hammer horror movie. And it's it's incredible. He he shoots. He goes to Pinewood. He shoots intense close ups in like anamorphic widescreen, so you get that fisheye lens effect. Yep. He's at one stage. He straps a camera to himself like he's in Requiem for a Dream, which is just incredible. Like the Belgian running around a house in 1947, like, like he's the Jennifer. Yes, that, <laughs> that you're recommending. Yeah. <laughs> That's so but weird like, that you're like. I guess I know I'm on a podcast talking to to movie people. Because when when you see that scene, you think about Requiem for a Dream. But when Joey was describing it to me, I haven't seen it yet. I immediately just thought it a crank. Ha! <laughs> and I said it was like a found footage movie. I described it as 
like he's in a fan footage movie. But I thought that bit was great too when he had the rig. That was so cool. And Tina Fey is such a great foil for him as well. Because his, his Poirot is funny, but not try-hard funny. He's just naturally off, which is funny. Yeah, and I, I think, like, like again, Brana is, like, he's a great Shakespearean actor. He's one of the great British actors of his generation. Mm. But he is also a large ham. Yes. Who enjoys being large and hammy. And who is, like, this movie feels like it is perfectly calibrated to indulge the level of ham that he wants to make. That's like, the Irish part. <laughs> it, it, that, yeah, that that, is, that's what I was was thinking of saying. Would it, is it, Northern is, Irish? Is, is anyone that. annoyed that uh, that I um, described him as British? Oh, for okay. shame! He's not one of them. I, He's one I, of us. <laughs> I, I know, and you act as if I haven't sat through Belfast for my. Oh series. God! Oh God, no! But I love, I love him in Wild Wild West. Doing doing his southern accent. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see Kenneth Branagh have it all. Oh, dude. I was reading something the other day that was talking about Will Smith having an unblemished career, and they put in bra- and they put in brackets, no, Wild Wild West is not a blemish. And I was like, this guy gets it. <laughs> I, I mean, again, the, the thing with Branagh, I was talking to another critic, and they made the point that, like, for most other directors, it's like the like hammy Agatha Christie blockbuster adaptations. They would be the one for them. And the prestige this is how I became a film director best picture nominee would be the one for you. But like you watch Belfast and you watch A Haunting in Venice and it really does feel like, like he managed to convince them. It's like, look, I can get you a Best Picture nomination for a movie about how I, I fell in love with cinema and became a film director. But you gotta let me make a third Perot movie. That's the deal. <laughs> I, I just, I had such a tremendous time. I also think it's like, I think it's a movie that is about things. I think it's a movie about the pandemic. I think it's a movie about the end of the pandemic. I think it's very consciously about like plague, infection, guilt, trauma, and the idea of like, as Andrew has said, all movies are about, but especially Fast X, the idea of an absent god. Um, so yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly recommend A Haunting in Venice. This has been A Haunting in Venice cast. It's, Thank you very much for joining too. us. It's creepy too. It's creepy. Like as a horror fan, I was uncomfortable watching it. Like it's it's scary stuff. It's stylish. Yeah. Like it, it does feel like it's a throwback to kind of 60s, 70s horror. Like it feels like Absolutely. Donald Pleasance could... We're, we're Jesus the, Christ, Donald Cle- Pleasance would be the da- Jamie Dornan character. Probably. Like, <laughs> we're, we're not... We're not doing a Poirot season. <laughs> <laughs> You're just putting the foot down. That's Andrew's just like, before no. before this idea pops into Darren's head. I would probably enjoy it. Darren got to do the th- 13 to, Halloween movies. At some point, movies. return to the 250. <laughs> yeah. Interminable 250. <laughs> Andrew's like, Darren gets one series. He gets one 13 episode <laughs> series. He does not get to do Halloween and Poirot. Um, all right. With that in mind, if people are looking for a bit more Peter, a bit more Joey online, where can they find you? What yeah, watch up to? So Joey, what are you at? Where are you at? I'm still on Twitter. It's probably burned down by now, judging when this goes up. But yeah, uh, at God, I hope <laughs> we can we can only hope. I, but it's uh, I heard that traffic has grown on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah, from Nazis. There, yeah, there are more Nazis on there. <laughs> like, they they let everybody who they banned back on that fucking yeah, train. Trump's back on there. Graham Lennon's back on there. Fucking uh, Milo, Andrew, Andrew Tate. Tate. Yeah, back yeah. On. But yeah, I'm. We won't have him in the country, but we'll let him back on Twitter. Russell Brand's on Twitter. Russell Brand was never taken off Twitter. I'm I'm sorry to tell you. Um, but 
yeah, I'm at Joey LDG. I'm not a Nazi. I have a lot of anti-Nazi takes. So hopefully that's your thing if you're listening to this. <laughs> Joey's I'm not a Nazi t-shirt is answering a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> that nobody asked. Like, I'm just preempting it. I did think it was an interesting choice to wear to the podcast. Um, I'm like, I'm like Russell Brand. I'm preempting the allegations by being like, there are some allegations out there. And uh, they're not true, and they're very baroque, and they're very morbid, and I don't accept them. Do more with your hands, Joey. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I didn't do enough of this. These allegations are very Romanesque. <laughs> <laughs> Neoclassical allegations, I'm afraid. Um, oh my God, Peter, where can we find you? What yet? Watch up to. Oh, uh, so like last time, just go on my Twitter, shoehead underscore, and my pinned tweet is just where you can find me on any other piece of social media, except for my Instagram. But don't worry about that. Don't worry about Instagram. Mark Zuckerberg sucks too. Also, maybe don't worry about my blue sky either, because, you know, Jack Dorsey, he's not nice. He's not a nice man either. We have to take what we can get. Billionaires. You're just like nagging listeners. It's like, don't worry about the Instagram. Yeah, it's just like, don't worry about the Instagram. You don't want to be on my Instagram. It's not cool. Oh, I thought for a second you meant I was nagging Jack Dorsey. (laughs) Darren loves Jack Dorsey. (laughs) Sorry, at Jack. That's why I wore this t-shirt to this podcast. What's the name of that good social media company? Yeah, (laughs) good question. Good question, Andrew. It's very fair. Uh, I'm I'm chatting it up with all the other SJWs on Tumblr.com come back it's it we're funny now very 2008 of you we're really (laughs) funny uh it's been empty in there for a long long time and what (laughs) happened is the people who are left got really weird with it and that was really funny there but are there still no boobs though yeah i was gonna ask that i was gonna (laughs) did did they do a uh me and andrew have to know if there's boobs or 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 we're not interested Uh, how andrew was just immediately it's like like halloween four or five in there yeah exactly do we just see the bra Uh, i remember like you i would accidentally just like open up my phone (laughs) in line somewhere and just open tumblr just and they'd be like i can't look at tumblr (laughs) i like and that wasn't even my main thing on Tumblr. It would just happen and I'd be like, oh, it was like, it was kind of like playing Hugh Russian roulette. You're just in the line. Scroll, scroll, scroll. It's like, oh yeah, there's an anime. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. There's someone. Oh, here's like a, a 500 word rant about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh, keep scrolling. I just want the record to show the next time that I say Andrew will appreciate something ironically and Andrew accuses me of mischaracterizing him. He was in like a shot as soon as Joey was like, what is the policy on boobs? Andrew was like, I want to know yes. too. <laughs> Let the record show. Um, and, and yet the we don't. The policy on boobs, you can see boobs, you can't see and below the waist, I believe, or any acts or videos and like well, the way they use that language, I maybe I'm getting off topic here, but they they <laughs> someone showed up and said uh, show show dick post tits whatever, and that was about a year ago, and it, things got really out of hand because he he said that, and people were like, girls were so back, and it, it, as it turned out, we weren't back, uh, and that was not the new policy, <laughs> and a lot of people got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Which is they took a bit of a tumbler oh, on that one. Eh? Oh, oh. oh, 
But uh, yeah, they are hemorrhaging money. Uh, the entire site's on fire. Most of it doesn't work. Uh, mm. I love Tumblr so much. Taylor Swift is on there. Also, Taylor Swift can eat my ass. <laughs> Peter! <laughs> if if I'm to be characterized by uh, the, that way, by the way, in a uh, bad way, Darren, we'll, we'll also have to tar Joey with that brush. It's probably not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have already crossed the insanity threshold on our Halloween podcast season. But first of all, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about the... We won't be talking about the wonderful Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, but we will be talking about Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers <laughs> with the wonderful <laughs> Luke Dunn joining us for that conversation. Yay. Oh, I know him. Um, but first of all, Oh, wow. Small world. Nah, I'm not. <laughs> okay, how are you? I know fine. him. I know you, Luke. You ignore <laughs> Peter. <laughs> but Peter, thank you so much for joining us for these two episodes. We really appreciate it. Particularly at short notice for both of them, but particularly short notice for one of them. Uh, we, we really do appreciate you kind of stepping in there. It's, it's been absolutely cool. Delight. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And thank you as ever, Joey. Thank My you, My pleasure. Joey. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Bye. And there's the mic. Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. <See> <laughs>